you wouldn't go to the mechanic and say, hey, I need you to overhaul the engine. And it's just good for 24 hours. Because I think that's really the essence of, of overhaul is something that, uh, that can last, right? It's all day, every day for a really long time. Dean, um, good to see you again, my friend. Brilliant. It's always fantastic to see the beard. Well, thank you. Dean, when we talked about doing this podcast together, we talked about doing this uh, as an exploration, just trying a few episodes, seeing what it was like, seeing who we reached and served, and we'll know more as we go. But I love after the first one we did, you had an idea that we call this the Coach's Commonplace Book. Tell me what your thoughts are. What does that mean to you? And why, why might that be what we end up calling this thing? Yeah. New term for me, my wife, she's a smart one in the family. I talk, she thinks. Commonplace. You can go back to the 16th century. So if you Google this and you'll see examples of there would be a book in a common place, right? In the house where things just get captured. So this was the, the Evernote of the day. So funny quips, quotes, proverbs, aphorisms, knowledge, wisdom. Uh, recipes. Recipes. Yeah, you're on the same page there. When friends and guests would come. So it wasn't your book. It was just the commonplace book in a home. Really, really fascinating. And so when you and I got talking about what this could be, this isn't yours. It's not mine. This is just anyone who's watching this. It's your commonplace yeah. to come and share and to come and receive. I like that idea. And I was first introduced to the idea of a commonplace book through the author, Ryan Holiday. You know, the obstacle is the way ego is the enemy. You know, stillness is the key. Really um, amazing thinker and writer and marketer, <laughs> by the way, who was at one point in his career, the research assistant for Robert Green, the author who wrote 48 Laws of Power and Mastery and all this. And mm. Ryan Holiday wrote a blog about a commonplace book and what one is and how to create one for yourself and anybody who aspires to be a thought leader or an author, you know, to have some version of this. And by the way, there's a guy named Tiago Forte who's created a course called Building a Second Brain, where he's nice. like using technology very deliberately to create kind of a virtual commonplace book. But Ryan says his is physical. And he uses index cards. And he said, if he were to, if his house were on fire, it was one of those things, you know, like the photograph <laughs> album and the commonplace book. Right. But <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Go get it. Yeah. But I love that. This idea that this is, a, is not just ours and it's a place where people can come and they can learn and hopefully share that this isn't just, you know, we create it and send it out into the world, but people will interact with us as we'll invite them to do so later. Yeah, so Brian, you know, what did that made me think of is years ago when I lived in Colorado Springs, Colorado, I, there was a very, uh, became very popular. I called it the source, right? The source club. And it was for executive leaders uh, throughout the community to come on a monthly basis and, and come see each other. What I don't like about that idea now is that it was one way, right? That was the source. Right. So you would just always come and take, always come and take. What I like about this idea of the, common, the commonplace is that you can give and receive. Yeah. And I like that. I really like that. It's more inviting. Me too. And we have a structure for this that we're, that we're playing with. So let's um, give a listener to the overview of what we're thinking here. So if we, so we have this idea for this kind of game that we thought we would have fun to play. And it works like this, that we go to the bookstore, the good old fashioned bricks and mortar bookstore that you'll go to one day and it will be gone and you will be sad. Probably. <laughs> when Amazon's yes. the world uh, or the grocery store. And we look at the magazines and we find one that's in the realm of good living, entrepreneurship, health and wellness, something like that. And we look at the cover stories and it'll have a little blurb. And then we'll see what we would say as coaches. And maybe we'll even invite the reader to pause the recording. And what would you say, dear, <laughs> dear reader or dear listener? Yeah, you know? I like that. But, uh, so you've gone and you've picked entrepreneur. Oh, and I picked men's health. So yours is, was the one you picked how to inspire? Well, that's initially what got my, my idea, but then it was this one 
the science of inspirational quotes. Oh my goodness. This I know perfect. how much you like those. I know how much I like those. Yeah. Awesome. And, and then our thought was we'd look at the cover stories. We'd pick one. We'd figure out what we'd say. We'd read the article. We will see what the author of the article says and how much wisdom is in there and just see if we can um, improve our own lives, share something that will help people listening improve their lives. So I picked men's health and I have, um, I have a digital version here. So it's a little hard for me to show, but I didn't know it when I picked it. It's the, it was the UK version. So it, when it started telling weight in stones, I was like, what? <laughs> well, I think you're going to have to do this, your version of this with an accent. Oh, that's not going to happen. <laughs> People tell me I already have an accent. It is. You will say, are you from Canada? Sometimes. Hey, okay. okay. Then fair enough. You don't have to do it in the next. So the, the cover, the cover story thing was 18 ways to overhaul your life. It's like, first of all, do we need 18? Won't, if you're going to overhaul it, won't one do? <laughs> man, oh man. I mean, I can't wait to hear. Yeah. And what, and what you, I love. <laughs> And it's starting today. So 18 ways to overhaul <laughs> starting today, like right now. Uh, yeah. It sounds so approachable. <laughs> yeah. You know what it reminds me of? I did a, a training program with Jack Canfield years ago, and he talked about being on the phone with a client who said he wanted to be healthier and stronger. And he said, well, what would that mean to you? And he said, well, I would work out. And Jack said, okay, well then put the phone down and do 30 pushups. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Immediacy right now. Yep. So 18 ways to overhaul your life today. The way this, this game goes, we begin with our own thoughts. If we were given this assignment by an editor, what would we say? Right? So I know you haven't read this one yet, Dean. So I'll, I'm going to ask you impromptu. What are some of the eight, what are some of the ways that you might improve your own life by overhauling it? And what what I say. So here's some of the things that I said, by the way, I said, and this is in no particular order. This isn't ranked. This was just kind of a brainstorm, but I said, do the life-changing magic of tidying up. Marie Kondo. Have you done that? No, man, that, and, I, that, and I am, and I'm not going to move my camera either <laughs> to show you what's you look like you done it. the <laughs> Already. I mean, look at that. Well, I, t I tidied this area. Oh, okay. That's the My life has already improved. Look at this. So that's one. And if anybody doesn't like, hasn't done that already, that process it's, it, it came from a different culture. It came from the Japanese, but I think it can work here in America where our homes are bigger and we probably have more stuff, but that has the potential to transform one's life. Another thing is I said, hire a coach. Just the act of committing, hiring a coach, hiring a therapist, joining a mastermind group, signing up for a workshop, like any of these things, um, giving, but it's not always additive. I don't think it has to be additive. Uh, although I'm going to continue with additive for a moment, join or start a book club. Right. And this is this idea that who we surround ourselves with, like the only things that are really going to probably change the quality of our lives is who we associate with what we put in, like what we feed ourselves intellectually and physically, yes. um, go on a silent retreat, spend 24 hours in silence, practice a tech, what I've heard called a tech Shabbat. So like mm. the tech Sabbath, 24 hours with yeah. no technology. It's good. Um, call someone and have a completion conversation. Somebody maybe you haven't forgiven or These somebody good, you haven't right? forgiven, but haven't told, right. Um, join a support group. And then, as I said, they're not all additive, I know I'm right. going through these in kind of rapid fire, but some of them are maybe subtractive, reductive, like give something up, whether it's sugar, whether it's alcohol. Another one is um, to sleep, take, take a nap. And I know these yes. don't all like necessarily overhaul your life, but you start right. somewhere, like get a toehold, you know? Yeah. Well, I think what you just caught there in my mind was going there too brilliant is what we tend to find, what I tend to find in those moments, it's, that's good for today. I mean, one thing to overhaul, you wouldn't go to the mechanic and say, hey, I need you to overhaul the engine. And it's just good for 24 hours. Right. <laughs> right? right. I mean, so some of these things on your list, I'm curious of what they say on their list. And so let's listen for it when you maybe read some of those in the list. Yeah. How many of those have any level of sustainability over time? 
Because I think that's really the essence of, of overhaul is something that, uh, that can last, right? It's all day, every day for a really long time, I think. Yeah. Is, but I like what you're saying. I mean, you got to start somewhere, but how do you keep it going? Yeah, it's a great, it's a great question. And I think the things that will be sustainable are things a, that we enjoy, or at least we don't experience as upstream or painful. Right. So that's one thing is to make the game winnable in some way. Um, but what they've done, the way that they've approached this, I was actually a little surprised because I was expecting a list mm. and that's not what it had. In fact, once I was inside the magazine, there were no numbers. So it wasn't like, here's point number one, point number two, the way that this UK editions of men health treated this is they actually did profiles of different people, different uh. men. And so it was kind of interesting to read through, like, for example, they did a profile of this guy named Zion Clark, who he was born. He's 24 years old. He has no lakes due to a rare condition called caudal regression syndrome. Never heard of that. Yes just has no legs. And he may soon be the first person to compete in the Olympics and the Paralympics in two different sports. So he's very fit. He's very strong. He's very determined. He began wrestling at a young age and he, he won. He would, he would beat people with legs and, you know, this uh, condition, but what he talked about in here, he actually got a tattoo that says no excuses. Yes. And on the one, so I left to get a tattoo. That didn't occur to me. <laughs> I don't know that that would trans, maybe a face tattoo would transform your life. <laughs> yeah. Like post Malone. Yeah. That, he doesn't have a face tattoo, but he just, you know, this can do attitude mm-hmm. and to never give up and to be committed. And that's the thing, right? It's easy to say, it's easy sometimes yes. to see in another person. It's not always easy yes. to generate that within, within us. Now, what I like about that is, that ethos, right, of no excuses, right, no explanations is something that can be sustained, right? You get to go to bed and you get to wake up again and remind yourself of this commitment. And then you do it again, and then you do it again, and then you do it again. It's going to get annoying here. And then you do it again, and then you do it again, and then you – that's the big difference. That's when you end up beating people regardless of their privilege or your disability. Yeah. It's that consistency, man. Is that hard to do? Yeah, it can be for sure. So Zion was the first of about six people that was featured in this. The next one was a 48 year old named Jason, uh, who he at his heaviest. And I haven't, I haven't done the math on this, but he lost 180 kilograms. So that's like 300, that's almost 400 pounds. Yeah, more than 400. Right. And he said that his first step and probably the most helpful was buying a food scale. Wow. Interesting that that small and simple thing. And then I love what he said that he said, a lot of people go into surgery with the mindset that it will solve their problems, but it will not. He says all their eating issues will still be there. And he said, he said, I think that changing my diet ahead of a surgery he did have made things easier. And then he started working out for a few minutes every couple of days, just a few minutes. And then now he works out 30 minutes, six days a week. But again, mm-hmm. I'm reminded of that small and by small and simple things are great things brought to pass. Yeah. Man, look at you. What an inspiring quote. I wonder yeah. if you knew the science behind that. Yeah. So uh, I didn't put, you know, buy food scale on my list to transform your life, but maybe I should have. <clears throat> yeah. I put empty the refrigerator. I was just jotting some, some quick things down. Oh, even by empty, I mean, you know what items are in there that shouldn't be in there. Remove those. Yeah. <laughs> right? It, it's a good place to start. I, I wrote down, look in the mirror. Mm. Like, really look in the mirror. That's tough for me at times. Like I, When I dream, this is a little bit of a, I'm revealing my heart. When I dream, I have hair. I'm not even joking. Like I have 80s, amazing hair. And so sometimes when I look in the mirror, even to this day, or I see photos of myself, I'm really surprised. And because I've been bald longer than I had hair. But look in the mirror, truly look in the mirror. I mean, I guess, excuse the metaphor, that's the the mechanic looking under the hood. 
I mean, it's really taking all of this in and what and how do we want to overhaul this? I also put down to describe here, like what is the current reality? I mean, to overhaul something, we've really got to acknowledge, honestly, what are we really talking about? I've heard all kinds of readings behind this brilliance that we can get really, really, really excited about how great it's going to be when we overhaul this thing. Yeah. We have all of the future, we have the vision board, right? We have all of those things and we're very excited about it. But we have not addressed how bad is it really? Because when we're going to get to that first obstacle, we're going to quit, right? It's too hard. But by really, they call it the burning platform. So by really staying with right here, what's really true about this? And if I don't change a thing, what am I saying yes to? And what am I saying no to? To look in the mirror and describe here. Were you disappointed when you opened up the magazine and there were no numbers? <laughs> well, I don't normally think of myself as a numbers guy, so <laughs> not really, <laughs> you know, I wasn't. Um, one thing, what you're saying reminds me that, that I did put on a list as I was sketching this out is to, is to make a commitment. So mm. like to make a commitment and to write it down. And then so the good. third thing is to tell another person. So just yeah. the, simple, the simple act of vocalizing it, right? And it's like our minds often seem to have a fuzziness, <laughs> like yes. have a fuzziness in the act of writing, speaking, so forth. So I think that's a way. Some of these, some of these other um, men who are featured in the book, I'll just give you a quick overview of what they said. One of them was the actor, Jake and Jacob Batalon. I guess he was, he was in Spider-Man. I didn't know him before. I haven't watched a Spider-Man film in a lot of years, <laughs> but what I thought was interesting in his, his, his dealt with weight loss as well. And he says that his workouts have turned into his therapy. So I just thought that was interesting that he said by having a regular routine, it had benefits on multiple levels or what I've heard as um, it's a six, a, a pr procession effect. Right. Like the ripple effect that he starts working out yes. physically and then it mentally. So I thought that was interesting. And it says, and here's the thing, like, this is simple, simple, not easy always, but it says his weight loss journey contains all the familiar aspects. He stopped eating junk. He started eating fewer, smaller meals, and he focused on lean protein and vegetables. He exercised six days a week and sometimes did non-traditional exercises in the backyard, like a medicine ball. So part of that was, okay, we already know what to do in many cases. Right. But the other part right. is doing things, even if it's unconventional, like right there in your backyard with what you have. And he happened to have a medicine ball or he bought one. So he just right. made it easy. He didn't have to go to a gym, you know? I wonder, I mean, so I wonder how many of these other examples, um, brilliant are health related. Cause if I think about just those big domains of us, right. I mean, there's a physical, there's a mental, there's a spiritual, there's the intellectual. It seems like there's another one that I always forget, but those, those larger domains, I've, my experience is that one triggers the others. Yeah. So when I'm disciplined physically, the rest of those things tend to fall in order. So when I'm disciplined physically, I end up being disciplined emotionally, disciplined intellectually, disciplined spiritually. When I stop being disciplined physically, I mean, the wheels come off the bus. <laughs> Wait, I, I get to you too. <laughs> yeah, I get alone. More, more, more faster. Um, I stop reading things. I stop thinking deeply. But no, we're not all the same. I think I, I've met other executives and just friends that when they're disciplined intellectually, the rest of those tend to fall in line. So I just wonder, you know, what's that like for those that are listening? Have you been able to identify that? And then how do you, how do you maximize it? Yeah, what are you thinking? Yeah. Well, that's the, I, I think all the way back to the Greek, you know, the maximum, a sound mind in a sound body. Right? Yeah. And it has, and clearly these things are related. And in our Descartian, uh, De, what do we call it? <laughs> Descartes, Cartesian. That's what we call it. I don't know. What that's it. The Cartesian duality of the body and the mind. And we separate things. Yeah. But at some very true level, they are all, it's all one system, the mental and emotional, there are dis distinctions, but, but what affects one affects the other. Absolutely. And then the last part of Jacob's journey that I thought was really interesting, and he actually swears in here and I'm not going to swear, I'm not going to quote him verbatim, <laughs> but he says he, he ultimately 
did it for himself and no one else. And then he says, yeah, I lost an effing shit ton of weight because I'm an effing G like that's how they end the article. Wow. But the point on that is that the identity he had for himself. And here's the thing. Like did he gain the identity after he did it? Or was it the identity that fueled him to the achievement? And I would, I would guess it was the latter that he saw himself as an effing G and an effing G is someone for him who loses weight. And that was what he did because yeah. our behavior always follows who we know ourselves to be. Yeah, well, so my wife and I have argued this. We've been married 31 years. We've, we've argued it for two decades, for 20 years. What drives what? Emotion drive behavior or behavior drive emotion? Yes. And <laughs> yeah, and I think, I think it depends. I, I'm sure there were some mornings that the F and G guy woke up and didn't feel that way. Yeah. You're hoping that you have enough momentum behind you and just you've created this habit. And you can then go down there. I don't know why it's always, why are the gyms always down, right? Down there. Does anybody go up there? It's hard to go up there. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. But we could go over to the gym. But then you get that, right? I mean, for men, women too, you got to get that pumped, jacked up feeling. And then we all kind of feel like our own version of the F and G. Yeah. You know, a coach of mine um, once pointed out to me, he said, we often say, I'll do it when I feel like it. But if you pay real close attention, you'll notice that you'll feel like it when you do it. I was like, damn, that's a shift. I know. I hate those simple things. I know. And then (laughs) the very, the very last thing here, there's a, a guy named Sharif. He's 48 years old. He said, running helped me get healthy for my daughter. The mm-hmm. interesting thing in that, see, this isn't like over, overhaul your life any more than anything else. This is, this is why I love to say the secret to life is there is no secret. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and the point is when I read this article and I read his Sharif's words was, and this I think is useful for coaches is leverage. In this case, what allowed him to get leverage and actually go out and run and, and get healthy was for his daughter. And if you had said for his grandma, that might not have resonated. Maybe it would have, maybe it actually would have been more powerful, but Finding what is that thing that will help people find the motivation to get in action and stay in action. And whether that's with a client or for yourself. So So good. Yeah. I I find it many times in my 52 years when I can serve someone else, right. And get out of looking in the mirror, me, 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 me. It seems to be much more sustainable at that point. I don't give up (laughs) quite as quickly when it's, when it's doing something good for someone else. That's right. And then the very last one, I probably said last one three times, but this is a, this is a chef. Some people will probably know he's a very well-known chef. Evidently. I didn't know him. Michael Beltran He's 36 years old. He works at the acclaimed Miami seafood restaurant, Nave. I don't it, but it says that he shed an entire person's worth of weight to become a stronger version of himself. And for him, um, having a routine, that was a huge thing. And then the, the, the other person mentioned here is Jay. He said, reaching out helped me stop drinking. So here was someone who he had a, a challenge with drinking. He gave it up and he said that he did the old, you know, you don't just kick a habit with nothing. You actually do a replacement that worked for him where he said to manage cravings, I drink a seltzer. I discovered that little things such as chewing gum, sunflower seeds, or decaf coffee could go a long way and breathing exercises worked if I was out and about. So how interesting that he wasn't just looking for a substance to replace a substance, but he also looked at a practice like just breathing, which was interesting. So I like that. And And sometimes I'd consciously remind myself of all the progress I'd made. Just kind of like you were saying, maybe we get enough momentum and then we use that to carry us through in the moments that we don't feel like it. Yeah. But if we are, we generate that within us in some way. Yeah, the self-talk, and if we kind of go back, you mentioned about telling someone. I'd love to encourage all of us. I bet we've told the same person many, many times. Okay, now this time I'm going to do it. Yeah. Okay, I know. I know. Now this time, maybe pick someone new to mm. tell. Because you may have already cried wolf too many times with that person, and they're not going to be the the champion you need to get started. Yeah. Get someone fresh 
who doesn't know that you've already failed X number of times on this, <laughs> who really, really believes you, right? And will root for you. Have you ever had that happen? Yeah, I have. And, and as you're saying that too, what I'm re- what's coming to mind is something I've just recently, I don't know if I've learned it or be- become aware of it, been reminded of it is the idea that sometimes when we look to change, that can be threatening to the people around us because we all exist as a system, as a member of a family, as a part of a team at work, whatever. And so we might be telling somebody, telling somebody, telling somebody, and it actually, whether consciously or even unconsciously, it might not be in their interest that we change. So like you're saying, if we've tried it and it hasn't worked to reach outside the norm, right? Because that's saying, if you always do what you've always done, you always get what you've always got. Maybe we're finding someone else. Yeah. What a great point. So maybe. Okay. So that was the men's health UK edition, 18 ways to overhaul your life. A few of our own buying a food scale, getting a face tattoo. Those stand out for me (laughs) starting somewhere. (laughs) Uh, Can we have some more stories of people that needed to gain weight? Can can that, can, can we not be inspired by that story? (laughs) They're out there. I, I, Here, needed, they're I, mythical. I gained I gained a person's worth of weight. That's my <laughs> that's my that's the guy I want to be inspired by. Yeah. Okay, so tell us about entrepreneur and this science. Yeah, of, entrepreneur. Okay. The science of inspirational quotes. The science. Here's where I started, Brilliant. First, you have to say something. Oh, that's very zen. Right. And or me record it, write it down, write something, but you have to say something. That's first. Second, my guess is there need, it needs to be identifiable to an emotional truth. Well, so it wasn't just any quote, right? The science of inspirational quotes. Yeah. That's why I'm saying that. Um, where's my notes? An emotional truth. Yeah. I think third, <laughs> this could reveal that I grew up on Dr. Seuss. I think it needs to rhyme. Okay. I'm just trying to think of what, right? I'm trying to think what I think is going to be in there. I Because almost every quote, so listener, feel free to back up and listen to Brilliant. How many of those quotes did you throw out there that were inspirational that rhymed? I'm telling you, there are so many of them. As I started to think through this, Four, yeah, I love your mind racing here. Fourth yeah. is, <laughs> what's, what's a quote versus a proverb versus uh, an aphorism? I'm going to go look that one up. Versus a maxim. Versus a versus proverb. Versus an axiom. Like, yes, <laughs> right. right? I mean, there's all of these. Versus a gem. All of these. Yes, yeah. yes. And so a little bit, I was kind of going back of, what are all of those, right? And, and, and what makes them similar? What makes them different? The, the first aphorism that they think was ever recorded, they found. And it's, it, was, it was in some resin. All right, so let me read this. So it comes from the Latin word. So this, the first word A out of aphorism means warm and warm or spicy. For, P-H-O-R, means opinion, so a warm or spicy opinion, with ism of just what it means or how it relates to. So that, I, I already like that. So it came from the Greek city of Pompeii. Wait, so it was Latin, but it came from the Greek city of Pompeii? Uh-huh. Why wasn't it Greek? Listen, don't fact, don't fact, man. I found it on Google. You okay. Know what, you, know, you know it's true. So amongst the ruins preserved in lava, I said resin, lava. Archaeologists were miraculously able to find this unharmed aphorism. Oh, it, oh yeah. So here's what it said, translated into modern, modern English. When you fall your lowest, that is where you may find your highest friends. Mm. When you fall your lowest, that's where you may find your highest friends. So here's an example of a proverb Early to bed and early to rise makes a healthy, wealthy, and wise. Makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. See it rhymes. 
early to bed and early to rise makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. That's a proverb. An aphorism, the early bird gets the worm. Mm. Right? It's how succinct, how spicy, <laughs> how warm, how succinct can it be? So I tried to write one brilliant. Could I lay it on me? Could I come up with an aphorism? (laughs) Right. So here's some other ones we know. All that glitters isn't gold. Or all that glitters isn't gold. We know that one. Yeah. Don't judge a book by its cover. Children should be seen and not heard. uh, Not heard. And we know these. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. Amen. All seven times you get up eight. All right. So here's what's mine. Here was mine. To remember, you must not forget. I talk a lot about. I think it's about an remembrisms. This is Zen Cohen. <laughs> this, is a, this is a. You know Cohen's. I don't think so. Like, what is the sound of one hand clapping? Does a dog have Buddha nature? They're 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 questions. Yeah, like, I like yours. It. So say yours again. It's like yeah. it's like a Cohen. To remember, you must not forget. So I Googled that just to see, did I read this somewhere? The closest I can find was from someone, I think his or her name is Kaylin Imes, and it's don't forget to remember. Mm. So close and actually shorter. So I was, I got second place, brilliant, be kind. (laughs) But I'll tell you what, it is hard to do. They said the bad news is, how to write an aphorism is something that can't be taught. The good news is it's something that can be learned. Mm, that's like the only a surfer knows the feeling, right? Or there's yes. that I love when I was learning about surfer culture. Those who know cannot explain. Those who don't can never understand. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that those they can't do, coach. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's all garbage, you know? It's all garbage. No uh, doubt about it. All right, let me find the right page here. Page 42. I was underwhelmed by the article. Full disclosure. It was just this. So right? one page. Just a one page. And then they give some examples of some quotes and then breaks it down of why did it inspire. Hmm. And so I was, I was close. One is that it, it needed to have an emotional truth. It had to have truth to it. Um, so for context, a great quote should speak to a universal truth. I can see Agree that. Or, yeah, I can, yeah, see, I can that. see that. I've, okay. So you're looking for things around compassion, existentialism, generosity, balance, harmony. The values are both universal and personal. Yeah, Second, I've, I've heard that, by the way. Um, I've heard it said that the most intimate is the universal. Mm. So that kind of aligns with that thought, I think. I would agree. And even the ones that, you know, I could just read the first part of and you could finish it. Right. I mean, there's this. I know. It's, it's I, universal. I totally missed a chance there, too. Because uh, like you said, the road to hell is paved with. I could have said, like, you know what I've been eating lately. <laughs> Or something, you know? Yeah. Well, anyway. there's that. Well, I've done this with to illustrate a, a learner's mind is that just because we've heard the first part doesn't necessarily mean that this is the only answer. So a group, this was a British group that went to uh, five-year-olds. I just asked them the first part. So love all trust. Supposed to be no one, right? Supposed to be. Kid, the five-year-old said, love all trust me. Right, you can't teach an old an old dog new math. Strike strike while the bug is close. A penny saved is not much. <laughs> right. Yeah. Also, also true. In our family, we have this um, game we'll sometimes play where we'll mash them together. So, like for example, um, my brother, I love this one. He said, "You can lead a horse to water, but that don't make it right." <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. That's really, really good. Yeah, I mean, that's the way to, to write your own aphorism. 
Yeah, it's not fun. Too, is, I actually Googled to see if I could find an, an uh, a artificial intelligence type of an app person generator, mm. you know, to put in some keywords or some, some truths that I've experienced in my life and see could AI kick something out. I wasn't able to find that yet. I'm sure we just inspired some, some coding guy or it's, gal. It's just because there might be a market of like one. It might what? be the TV. <laughs> <laughs> There's no, there's no way it's just me. But before we, before we leave that first topic real quick about the universal, yeah. yeah, I'm reminded of something I once heard about why stairway to heaven is so popular. And it was an analysis of the song. And of course I looked at the lyrics and it talked about how it used these universal images of forests and paths and stairways and gold and light and dark and smoke. And so as humans, we really, we do uh, resonate with symbols and symbolism. Right. And so yes. I think there's something in what you're saying about truth and emotional truth and these things that are timeless and they're kind of archetypical. I, th- I think that does make for the basis of powerful in- inspirational quotations. Well, so this is the, the third part they talk about is that it needs, it needs to come from within. And I think a good quote, an inspirational quote, has enough of that symbolism that not only does it become from within you, but I can identify with it, with those shared experiences through those symbols. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. So the second one was it has brevity. The soul, soul of wit. Makes it, it makes it memorable. And then I thought I saw, so a great quote just makes you say in your head in all caps. Damn. Yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Come on. So that, that's really what a quote does. It reminds you that you are alive. My favorite coaching quote is by, by an author out of New York. I've become friends with him, Robert Hargrove wrote a book called Masterful Coaching. I mean, it is my coaching Bible. I mean, I follow it to a T. So fantastic. But his quote is, when a great coach and a great leader find each other, sparks fly and history made. That made me say yes. It made me build a company around it. Um, changed my life. Awesome. It's a silly thing, right? But sparks fly and history's made. I think it's a favorite coaching quote. Oh man, nothing springs to mind immediately when it comes to coaching. I I just think about, I think about jokes. I think about the, you know, the, uh, the guy that goes to the Buddhist hot dog vendor says, make me one with everything. And, but then the response (laughs) is, you know, and he goes to pay and he doesn't get any change back because true change comes from within. Right. So the thing when I think about a coaching quote is that it's ultimately what we, what we're looking for is inside us. Like maybe the one is I, uh, you are already that which you are seeking to become. So often I, I think that's true, but it's the law of unacknowledged experience that we won't allow ourselves to believe we are whatever it is we're seeking to be. So that one, that one is a, I would call it a coaching coaching quote. I hear a lot of new coaches use the Wayne Gretzky quote. You miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Mm. That one's a That one's used a lot. There was another one. Uh, oh, the secret of getting ahead is getting started by Mark Twain. Disney is a popular one. The best way to get started is to quit talking and begin doing right. Walt said that. So I, fi- I did find it here in the, in the article. Researchers found that people considered aphorisms more accurate if they rhymed. Interesting. Accurate. That's, that's interesting. <laughs> right? They didn't like them better or they resonated better. They found them to be more accurate wow. if they rhymed. All right. So I was pretty close. You were. You were right on. You use a lot of quotes. It seems brilliant your recall for them. How do you remember them? How do you get access to them? 
Well, first of all, I, I write them down. Do you really? I do. I, I collect them. I have a file in Evernote where I keep them. I share them on goodliving.com. I have a page of quotations. And I realize quote and quotation are not exactly the same thing, but, and I'm an English major, so I should know better, but I use them interchangeably. <laughs> so that's one. And then, you know, something for me is that I know language matters. Language matters in a big way. And I think that we use language sloppily. It's <laughs> what I would say, carelessly, sometimes thoughtlessly. And the exact words are, they're important. They're important to me. And I also believe that there's an energy to a communication that it does actually matter who said it, not, you know, whatever it is, not because it's simply an appeal to authority, but because it's different, you know, the same two people could say the same thing, but it could land with you very differently. Yes. So it matters to me because I'm always looking, first of all, selfishly, as I think we all are to improve the quality of my own life. I've heard it was said once that we're all looking to survive better. Right. So I believe these quotes, when all of my needs are met, and I'm very blessed that basically every single need I have to continue existing on this planet has been met. Mm. Then it's like, what are you, what, what are you looking for? And I'm looking for insight information. And these quotations, I believe have their windows into that. And then I want to share it with others, things that can help them improve the quality of their life. So I'm constantly reading with the idea of what can I share with others and quotes are one way to do that. Do that. Here's a question for you. So I remember, so when the phone book used to come out and the first time my name was in the phone book, big deal. The first time I was quoted in a news article, I think, I, I think my mom has like 12, well, like the 12 newspapers in the town, <laughs> right? There's something about the first time you were quoted. Do you remember the first time you were quoted? No, I, I don't. I don't have a specific memory related to that. I wonder what our listeners would say to that. I mean, is that something that they strive for? Is that something they feel is important to them to have sat with something long enough to distill their idea, their thought down to something that was quotable? I suspect some of them have, and some of them probably haven't, you know? Yeah. I'm just curious. I'm just, we seem to be in a social media, you know, Instagram-y, TikTok-y. We like quotes, right? I mean, that's what I see probably two thirds of LinkedIn and, and whatnot. So I wonder what coaches should do with that and how important that should be for them to have their own quotes. You know, I think that's a fair question. And I think a lot of it depends on what they want. What are they trying mm. to do? Are they looking, are they doing this as a part of a marketing exercise, you know, and yeah. are they trying to establish their authority out in the world? Are they trying to serve people with their ideas, right? By posting it on social media. That's one thing. Um, so I, I think it's really subjective. Well, Tony Robbins, I don't know if he's a good example or a bad example, but man, he uses these things well. I, listened, I looked at the top 100 most famous quotes. Tony Robbins is in this list. Yeah. The only impossible journey is the one you never begin. Yeah. I'll, I'll bet I could tell you at least a dozen Tony Robbins, Robbins quotes like that right now that, have, that stay with me. And yeah. there's many, many more. If you've looked in my notebooks, many more. But Tony's a master of the soundbite. <clears throat> but I don't mm. think it's because he sat down and he tried to refine it. I really don't. Mm. I think it's because, and this is just my experience with Tony, I think he's refined of observing him and learning from him. You know, I'm not friends with him per se. But I think that Tony really has created such uh, an identity of himself as one who makes a difference in the lives of millions of people that these words emerge in quotable form like a volcanic eruption from somebody who sees himself so fully and so powerfully as in service to humanity. It's not because he got a team of writers and wordsmith stuff. It's just a natural expression of who he is or he knows. Well, I'll tell you what, I like, I like your version of them compared to what I tend to hear in the local bar when Tony Robbins names name comes up. Right. Cause I think, I think there are a fair number of people that think he's just a marketing phenom and not that it's really this authentic, expressive, volcanic 
Yeah, I'm, I'm so glad you shared that. I wonder how many other of us would be like, man, that's refreshing to hear. Yeah, I know Tony's not everyone's style, different structure, yeah. different folks. But yeah. I've spent literally hundreds of hours in a training room observing Tony. I've even been on his assisting team and helped produce date with destiny and so forth. And I, there have been more than one time, many times that I have watched him in action and I have thought he might be an enlightened master, just like any of the Eastern teachers. Really? I, mean, I really think, and, and I really do think he cares. He is a master marketer, no question. And he's a master showman Yes, and he's a master coach. So I think he's, he's cultivated that though. It's not, he woke up one day and this guy got out of bed. It's he has, right. he has cultivated that. I really like that. All right. So now take, take it to the average coach. Then you've been coaching three to five years based on what you just said. What's the potential? Can anybody, what, which part can anybody do? Well, I think that, and this is just my opinion, right? But of course, <laughs> I think the first thing here is that it, so much of this depends on what we want. Because I like that, Brian. If it's not important to you to, right? And you got to really ask, honestly, like you were saying, look in the mirror, mm. literally, sometimes and figuratively. But what is it that you really want? Because we sometimes think we want, oh, we want Netflix to make a documentary about us and we want to have thousands of people pay thousands of dollars to come to a five day workshop and we want to have best selling books and all this. And there there's, we can think we want that, but then do we carry that out to its full expression? Right. Right. Or do we want something else? So if you don't want that, then it doesn't, I mean, what does it matter? And, and we're all our own individuals, right. As well. Like none of us are Tony Robbins. We're whoever we are. Exactly. So that's, that's the thing. I mean, but your question about what's our potential, I think our potential, I think in some way, I don't fully understand that our potential is infinite, but our experience is limited. Our experience of life is limited, but ultimately well, I mean, we want. that's the, I think that's where it all begins and maybe ends. Well, maybe if I, if we begin and end with Tony's quote, it's only impossible. The only impossible journey is the one you never begin. Right. So you begin and then it'll take you as far as it takes you. Yeah. If I think about the two magazine articles that we just went over and what can a coach do with those two topics, one of overhauling and then second around these inspirational quotes. I guess my first thought when it comes to mind is, is blending those two is until it's clear on the inside, It'll never be clear on the outside. I think uh, Sam Walton said something that was close to that. There, there is a time period, I think, to be a, an exceptional coach is that you've got to feed the system, right? And you, just to be taking in these inspirational quotes, these inspirational stories, because it kind of builds out these anecdotes, right, that you start pulling from. A lot of what I've done over the 16 years of coaching is my goal is to inspire insight and shift perspective. My ability to do that comes from all the reading I've done, all the things I've listened to, all the books I've read, the movies I've watched, right? And then thought about how can I inspire? How can I motivate? How can I shift perspective? So if, if you're a coach and you're asking yourself, how do I overhaul my coaching practice? I would start with, really taking an assessment of your commonplace book, what have you captured, right? What quotes do you know? Think about the type of client you want to attract or the client you've had success with. What would you add to that, right? And how could you use that? That's what initially comes to my mind if I think about the articles we use as inspiration. I like that. And something I like about that as well is that this is not a one-time event. Don't sit down and read one book or one article or go to one program or have one coaching session with your coach, right? It's a process. So there's this, you know, respect the process, see it as a process. That's one for me. And then the other is you were sharing about that. And if we're looking to overhaul anything, I think there's three points where we can enter like three doors. One is the purpose. One is, one is the why, and sometimes why can be actually really disempowering. So you got, I think why is one to be careful with, right? 
just like anyone who's raised a five-year-old knows <laughs> why, 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 <laughs> But that's one is understanding the, and, the, and the purpose, which is a little different from a why. But what's the purpose of your coaching practice? Why are you, you know, let me go back to the why. So that's one. And then the other is a goal, like a specific goal. Is it a number of clients? Is it a number of revenue? Is it a number of thank you cards? Is it some, is it whatever? Like, but to be able to quantify it. And I don't think there's any value in the goal itself, but A, it's who you become in the process. And then what you learn right? And what you do in pursuit of that goal. But I'm a person that's like, Hey, set a goal. Sure. But also be, be okay. Abandoning it and choosing a new goal. If that's what suits you at a later point at a future version of yourself, don't make a habit of that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> be a dilettante, but also don't be afraid. Of yeah. So brilliant. Bro, take us back. Cause I think you, there's more that we can learn from this is that sometimes the why can be de- it could demotivate. So you've been overt with your level of, of high expectations or, or it needs to be perfect before you can take that first step. Is that kind of where you are going with the, the why can get in the way? Maybe open that up for us. Well, I, I will just say from my own life, an example of where this profoundly changed my life was when, you know, for years and years and years, and sometimes even still, if I'm honest, I would ask, why am I so blessed when others are not when there are 2 billion people on this planet without clean drinking water and people that are dying, children, 5,000 children a day die of diarrhea, preventable diseases, people live in conflict zones. As we know, there's a lot of suffering on the, on the planet and, and there's a lot of physical suffering. There's a lot of emotional and spiritual suffering. And yet I live a very comfortable life. I'm in the United States of America. I'm, you know, very, very blessed on many levels. And I actually felt guilty about that for a long time. Like, why did I win the cosmic lottery? And so many people didn't. And I couldn't find a satisfactory answer to why. I don't know. I'm lucky, <laughs> you know? Right. And when my life changed was when I stopped asking why. And then I shifted and I actually found a question. This was the third entry point, by the way, because there's purpose, there's goals. Okay. And the other is um, questions. And what's the question you're trying to answer? Mm. Right? Or you could say the problem you're trying to solve as somebody who's looking to overhaul their coaching practice to, to be clear about any of those, you know, to set a goal for yourself, to write a purpose statement or to um, ask a specific question. And the question that I started asking, and I learned from Tony Robbins, by the way, the power of questions and the question that I created that helped me shift from why to something more empowering was how can I use what I have, what I love and what I know to bless the lives of others. And that departure from why, 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 why to what, and then later yes. how, and with whom totally changed my life. That's so powerful. So that's what, so what you just took me then. So Marshall Goldsmith has a new book that just came out there, Earn Life. Very influential on my life. His book uh, triggers his book. Uh, Mojo, his book, What Got You Here Won't Get You There. He was asked the question, success. Like, where does it really come from? And this is a big part of what changed my coaching practice. He's like, I know the answer to this question. Brilliant. I got my pen and paper. I'm like, I'm about to make a lot of money. (laughs) I'm I'm, going to sell whatever he's about to tell me for free. And his his answer was so simple. It was actually aggravating. He said, when we do what we said we were going to do, it almost always works. And when we don't do what we said we were going to do, it almost never works. <laughs> so when I think about building a coaching practice, making a difference, having impact right, in your local community to whatever level that you can make a difference using the vehicle of coaching, oftentimes if we will just do what we said we were going to do, it almost always works. And when we don't, it rarely does. Yeah, that, that's powerful, man. And I, I wasn't there when Marshall said that, but I love that he did. And it totally squares with two other teachers of mine. Buckminster Fuller said, integrity is the essence of all things successful. And I see that as integrity and not in the moral version of integrity, but literally just what I said and what I did. Yeah, I heard another coach describe as a say do ratio, 
my say do ratio was <laughs> one to one. I love that. And then, That's with, good. That's and good. then what Werner said, when Werner said without integrity, nothing works. Right. And I love that because if you think literally a building, a bridge, if it lacks physical integrity, it won't work as a building or a bridge. It doesn't make it bad morally. It just doesn't work. A car, you don't want to fly in an airplane without integrity. And the same thing in a relationship on a team without integrity, nothing works. So I love that. I love, I, I love that. So the example, again, we thought there's going to be a list of 18 things over all, all, for all your life. Many of those examples, they picked one thing. And with integrity, they started. Yeah. And I think some of them have now been quoted, right? And have turned into an inspiration, right? The science behind this inspirational quote is, is go do something and be consistent. And then something about us as human beings, we look in awe and reverence because we just know how hard it is. Right? It's not easy to do the hard thing over and 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 over again. Yeah. Well, and that's where I'm totally fascinated. And maybe in the, maybe in our next conversation, if it still feels relevant, we can explore, but I'm interested in what might be called effortless success where it's less about trying and it's more about allowing it's about alignment or it's about discovering our truth and giving it expression. Like, I think the people, I think there's, there's two kinds of people and there's nothing simple. So it's not binary, but there's the people who achieve phenomenal success driven by very disempowering emotions. The people who are billionaires or they're celebrities, but they're actually miserable. If you yeah, know. a lot of com- a lot of comedians will tell that story. Yep. So I think that's one, and then I think there's another, and and again, there's probably some overlap sometimes, at least, or a different class of person that achieves phenomenal success because it's who they really are. They're not trying. They didn't engineer something. They didn't come up with some life roadmap and then will themselves to achieve it with superhuman discipline. It was like they had a passion, they had a curiosity, they had a desire, and they just moved in that direction. And then things well, I wonder, happen. yeah, well, I wonder if that's Malcolm Gladwell's uh, outliers. I don't know if you know the premise of the book, but if you live in a certain geographical area in the Bronx, I think it was, in 1955, 98% chance you're going to be an attorney. Mm-hmm. Right? It's like, what? And he talks about Gates, who lived within a certain radius of the University of Washington, I think that's right, who had uh, the mainframe computer. And so it was just within that distance where he could ride his bike and break in at night, right? And, and then do that. Had he lived another mile past that, we probably wouldn't have what we have today. Or, you know, maybe somebody else would have done something similar, but there was some level of fate. There was some level of the stars aligned. Now that these individuals still had to take advantage of, it. they still had to go do something, but you remove one of those elements and it doesn't work anymore. Yeah. The right time in the right place and the right time in history. Yeah. My business partner and I see often brilliant. If we could go back a hundred years, where do we think we would be amazing? You're already amazing. I mean, dude. What are you talking about? Oh, it's just, again, I'm not going to pan to the left or right. So you can't see how I'm not tidy. I am. <laughs> but things to invent. I think I've could have come up with a toaster. I think I could have done that. Dude, I wanted to make, who made this spoon? I want to be that. Yes. See, I mean, that level of simplicity, this mind has potential there. To be able to do what you have to do today, again, don't change as I rewrite history. In my mind, I think I would have been an amazing person in the early 18, middle 1800s. Don't sell yourself short. You're still amazing. (laughs) I hear the effort, brilliance. I hear the effort. But here's what you need to remember. You must not forget. Okay. <clears throat> it feels like a tattoo. Oh, I wouldn't, yeah, that's not a bad. My wife would be very disappointed. Are you sure? Yes. The positive. <laughs> You've had this conversation? <laughs> oh, yeah. My wife is not digging tattoos. She's like, it's not classy. So both her daughters, we have two boys and two girls. The girls have both gotten tattoos. She's not with it. She's not. No, I, I blame her. I blame my wife. She drove them to it. She drove them to it. They had no other choice. If you found value in our conversation today, 
please share this with someone that's important to you. Yeah, I, I would say very similar. I mean, so as we're kind of new into this and uh, hearts coming from the right place, if you did enjoy it and you want to know if this is happening again, hit that subscribe button or hit that bell, right? So you get that push notification. That just kind of helps us. Um, again, we, we like talking to each other and we will do that if there's an audience of zero. But if you did find this helpful, and if you got some feedback for us or a question for us, just put something in the comment because we will be looking for that. We want this to be as value added as, as possible. 